I was waiting for you to do it during the song, Carl. Because you're really supposed to and all God's people say amen. Amen. See? So, and all of God's people said amen. Love that word, amen. Anybody know what it means? You should remember back to confirmation. Thank you. Yes, it shall be so. It's a wonderful reminder of God's promises to us, which we're going to hear today in the message. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the gift of Jesus, your Son, whom you loved. You sent him into this world to, to die on a cross for our sins so that we could be forgiven and live eternally. Father, focus our, our lives, our, our eyes, our hearts, our hands, our feet on your presence and your promises in our lives. Be with us today and all days as we celebrate your word and your promises to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Do not fear. Only believe. I thought about that, that theme for the sermon this week, and it just brought to mind, even though it's in our gospel lesson today, it, it just brought to mind the, the way that we should have been thinking and acting this whole time during the pandemic. For so many operated every day out of fear. And we forgot that everything's in God's hands. We operate out of fear because, you see, we are afraid of ill health and even of death. But in the midst of that fear, we forget that our lives are in God's hands and not the world's. It's easy to be afraid. It's sometimes hard to believe. In our gospel lesson today, we have a man who, who comes to Jesus. He's identified to us as, as one of the rulers of of the Pharisees, the synagogue, if you will, Jairus by name. And he, and he comes because, you see, he's afraid. His daughter is close to death. And we have to make the assumption that he's consulted with all of the physicians in the area that he's had everybody in that he can think of to treat his daughter. But she's dying. And yet, in the midst of his fear, he seeks out Jesus and finds him and drops to his knees. And he says, my little daughter is at the point of death. 
Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And Jesus went with him. Is this man operating out of fear or out of faith? What do you think? Don't all be bashful. Who said both? Al, you're too smart this morning. It is both. It is fear that drives him to Jesus, but he utters his words in faith. I mean, there's no doubt in these words. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. Fear and faith. It is sometimes that fear in our own lives that drives us to Christ. The fear of whatever it is that we face drives us to prayer where we plead before God, perhaps words similar to those of Jairus, but certainly words appropriate to our situation. We are a people of faith, but being a people of faith doesn't mean that that fear doesn't impact us in our lives. It certainly does. How this man must have been relieved when Jesus consented to his request and went with him. We read that a large crowd is following and that that there's a woman in the crowd who's, who's had an issue of blood for 12 years and she's sought all of the physicians as well. To the point where it has put her into poverty. She spent everything she has to be healed. Now notice here how she approaches Jesus. It's not fear that drives her to Jesus. It's desperation. And she says to herself, If I touch even the hems of his garments, I will be made well. Faith. There's no fear, desperation certainly, but faith. And how many times in our own lives has desperation driven us to Christ? You know, it's a simple little thing. But how many times have you lost something and you can't find it and you're running around the house and you have limited time and you're desperate to find what it is that you need? Maybe it's your car keys. Maybe it's a Bible study book. Maybe it's that important piece of paper that you put aside saying, I'll deal with it later. 
And you can't find it anywhere. And in desperation, you finally stop and you go, okay, Lord, I need to find this like now. And all of a sudden it comes to you and you go and you look and there it is. Anybody ever do that? And you could swear that it's in the same place you've already looked six times. Why is it that we don't pray first? Sometimes in our spiritual lives, we think that we can fix everything ourselves. And we fail to go to God until we're desperate. If I can just touch the hem of his cloak, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned to the crowd and said, who touched me? Who touched my garments? And the disciples in somewhat of a a disbelief look at Jesus and say, you see the crowd, everybody's touching you. They're all pressing in about you. What do you mean who touched my garments? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and knelt down before him. Notice here that the fear comes after the faith. Because she knows what happened. And now there is in her mind somehow an idea that maybe she did something wrong to offend Jesus. You can imagine what's going through her mind. It's, it's the, is he going to take this away? Is my, my bleeding going to come back? But in her fear, she spills it all out and speaks the whole truth. And Jesus listens to her whole story. Mark doesn't lay that out for us word by word, but you can imagine that it's taken a period of time for this woman to get the words out because she's a little bit afraid and she's trembling and and she wants to make sure that Jesus understands why she did what she did. She might be thinking that what she's done has in some way been sinful. And maybe she's even confessing some of her other sins. 
Jesus. Jesus says to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Don't be troubled. Don't be in fear. Go in peace. Be healed of your disease. And when we hear those words, we we immediately think, be healed of of the blood flow that you've been suffering for 12 years. But, But maybe there's another way to understand this. Because she's already been healed of that infirmity. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. You see, the real disease that impacts us, the real disease that that weighs on us is the disease, the illness of sin. That's the one disease that that separates us from God. And that's the disease that we should have been afraid of for the last year and a half. Can you imagine if the world had put as much energy and money and everything into figuring out how to get rid of sin? That would have been interesting. Because it's that which brings us eternal death if it's left untreated. Go in peace. Be healed of your disease. Now, we don't know how long all of this interlude took. We can only imagine that maybe Jairus is standing right by Jesus, kind of, you know, tapping his foot and going, come on, come on, come on, come on. My daughter's dying. Come on, come on. Let's get on with this. Maybe that's one aspect. Or maybe he's sitting there, you know what? God's got this. It's in his hands. Maybe that's what he's thinking. But the story continues to unfold that some of his servants come to him and they say to him, Jairus, your daughter's dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. If you were Jairus, how would you feel? What would be in your heart toward the woman who interrupted Jesus? What would you be thinking about Jesus himself? How does your grief your thinking. I'm sure at this point in time he's filled with despair. My daughter is dead.
But Jesus says the words that we opened with. Do not fear. Only believe. Even in the midst of what seems to be impossible circumstances, we are invited not to fear, but to believe. To put our faith and our hope and our trust in a loving God who sees to the very depths of our soul exactly where we're at in our faith and knows exactly what we need. We are invited to trust in him above all things. To believe. Do not fear. Only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John. And of course Jairus. And they come to the house of the ruler of the synagogue. And Jesus saw a commotion of people weeping and gnashing their teeth and practicing the mourning. That's what we do, don't we? When death comes, we mourn and we weep and we cry because all, all hope has been lost. It's gone and our hearts are broken. And Jesus says, why are you making a commotion? And weeping. The, the child is not dead, but sleeping. And what is their reaction? They laugh. You don't know what you're talking about. We've seen her, she's not alive. You see, they respond with doubt, with disbelief. They may know of the reputation of Jesus, but even this great prophet can't overcome the finality and the absoluteness of death. It's impossible. And sometimes we think that way. We're afraid to put things in God's hands because we go, it's impossible. It'll never happen. It can't work. And we have the evidence of Scripture. Five loaves of bread and two fish feed thousands. Mud made from spit and dirt helps the blind to see. His fingers in the ears of a deaf man. And he hears. And yet, we doubt. 
maybe sometimes we laugh. Remember the story of Sarah in the Old Testament when God told her that she was going to be a mother at, at her very advanced years and she laughed because she doubted. Of course, we know what happened there. Isaac is born and Isaac gets that name, which means laughter. Can you imagine having to live with that every day? You face your son and, and, and his name reminds you of your own doubt. And yet we doubt. Because of that doubt, we find ourselves once again in fear and once again struggling. But Jesus enters the room along with his disciples and with the little girl's parents, and she takes her by hand and says, Talitha Kumi, little girl, I say to you, Get up. Think of that. Little girl, get up. And this child who was dead gets up. This is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Messiah, the Son of God, who has the power to give life to that which is dead. Life. And he has that same power today to work that life through us by the power of the Word and the Spirit as we share the good news of Jesus Christ with the world around us. Because you see, the true life is not just the physical life we live, but it is that life that God grants us for here and eternity. And that's why we worship. That's why we sing, why we pray, why we gather together, why we learn and grow in scripture. It's because of life. And it's because of the hope that we have in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We see the miracles. And we see the words. We see the power. And the encouragement to us is the encouragement that Jesus gives in light of the cross and the resurrection as we face this ever-troubled world. The words are the same. Every day when you arise, when you get up, don't fear. Believe. In Jesus' name, amen.